everyone. I'm Kathleen Gazzola. And I'm Molly Upstill. And this is Mum's Mum's Gone Gone Tropo. A tropical escape filled with laughter, candid conversations and heartfelt stories of motherhood and the incredible lives lived in the NT. From sleepless nights, the parenthood roller coaster and the heartwarming milestones, we'll share our experiences and have the privilege to sit down with a diverse array of inspiring women, some well-known and others are hidden gems. But all of them have fascinating stories to share about why they've chosen to raise their families in the magic of the tropics. Hi, hi. Hello. How are we? I'm good. How are you? Good. We were just having a giggle because we're talking about what we're going to talk about in this part and Molly has another poo story team. (laughs) (laughs) Let's launch right into it. What's Artie done now? (laughs) People must be like, listen to this story and be like, you're a fucking grot. Like, put some <laughs> pants on your kid. But he just takes it off. Like, he just loves to be naked. And I put them, I try and put them back on, but he's figured out how to take them off. And I reckon you're right. I probably need to go and do the whole pull-ups rather than the, like, tabs because could he delay. doesn't know how to get them off. <laughs> could delay the could inevitable, delay the but inevitable. you might be able to see it before <laughs> Well, yesterday I thought he was empty and so we were letting him do nappy free time again. He's still got his molars coming through, so he's got some, a bit of nappy rash, you know, as all kids do when they have. And it's hot. It's so hot. It was like 37, 38 degrees yesterday and like the humidity, anyway, it was stinking hot and it's like nothing worse than sitting around in a hot nappy. Anyway, so my auntie's visiting um, and we were eating dinner last night. Jack went out for dinner with some friends and I looked down at the ta- under the table and I was like, oh, Sandy, watch your feet. Artie's done shit under the table. We're outside, thank God. Anyway, so I went inside to get some wipes to clean it up with and she goes, don't worry about it. The dog just ate it. <laughs> <laughs> so clean. It's all clean. Don't worry about it. Anyway, Hopes then the residue, I, I t- it's just disgusting. <laughs> but it's outside, so it's yeah. But good. the dog ate it. <laughs> just don't just... get the dog to lick your face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yuck. <laughs> At and least so... Ozzy didn't get to it this time. I know. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I don't think I could deal with myself as I. I would feel like if I had three strikes of that kid eating his brother's shit, that I would actually it's be building a failure up his of a parent. System, surely. <laughs> That's not how you do it. We should ask one of our doctor guests what what they think of that. You know, last week I was telling you about that singular piece of corn that was going around and it reminded me of that meme I sent you on Instagram when the dad, like, takes the shitty corny nappy and then, like, runs it through the strainer and then feeds the corn. It's like a never-ending meal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think I blocked out that meme. (laughs) God, yeah. So anyway, I don't live in a sewer, everybody. I just have a kid that... Re- you very clean. You clean that up, disinfect it. I know. It's so right funny. Thing. Even Sandy last night was like, she's like, I'm going to mop. And I was like, why? And she's like, I'm just going to mop. <laughs> mop the kitchen <laughs> and around the dinner table. <laughs> Our house is out. clean. Yes, it's anyway, clean. It's clean. It's I can just, vouch for it. Yeah, you, your, yeah. Your home scent isn't... It's lemongrass. It's it not is. Yeah, sewer. you can smell the lemongrass. It's clean. <laughs> Kidson's grey. Well, we had a big milestone in our house last night. What was that? Big girl bed for (gasps) Sally. We've been waiting six weeks for it to come. Oh yeah, and it's quite. We got. We went straight for the king single. Yeah, we'll spend the money. She's going to have it forever. Ever. Yep. I was Um, the same. It's got. 
two sets of drawers, her drawers and then a trundle and then her beds. We, so uh, like, my, a trundle for me was a non-negotiable yeah. as well. Well, this one's good that it's got also like yeah, good. drawers underneath it as well. So it's got like three compartments, like literally. drawers, trundle, mattress. mattress. Yeah. yeah, good. So, I mean, it's quite high, so yeah. she literally can't, can't climb way. into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, of course, time. we had we have a railing on one side because it's up against the, the wall. And, like, the railing was, like, the middle of the bed. Yeah. And Is it, it just one of those ones from Kmart where it's, like, anchored under the – Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we got it from a girlfriend. She was going to throw it out because her kids didn't need it anymore, so she gave it to us. Yeah. So we had it sort of middle of the bed because she rolls around a lot in her cot as yeah. it is. So we're like, that's majority of the bed. So there was probably – 30 to 40 centimetres at the head of the bed, you know, where yep. same as Artie. Yeah, is and the pillow or whatever. And um, we're like, she should be fine. Steve's like, don't worry. She's not going to roll through there. She'll be fine. And I was like, okay, sure. So he had rugby last night. Sally had had an early sleep in the morning, um, a lot earlier than normal. So it was early to bed for her. Yeah. And we still just, we dismantled all the cot because it took six hours to, put this flat pack together. Yeah, that's like, a big flat pack it bed. It wasn't an IKEA quick yeah. thing. Like, but that's good. That's longevity. That's Hopefully. what we could. And yeah. it was fucking heavy. So it <laughs> said on the manual 90 minutes to put together for two people. It probably <laughs> took us two and a half, three hours. And four <laughs> threatens of divorce? No, we were very good. He, because my back is screwed up at the moment, I couldn't do any of the lifting of yeah. anything. So I was... Karen, manual Karen. And so he was having to do a lot of the the hard work. And Did you turn the aircon on? How it was. Yes, 100%. Oh. Um, so I was very conscious of making suggestions calmly <laughs> if something was going wrong and not being like you're doing it wrong or anything. So it was a very conscious like, okay. And there was even a break in the middle because I was like, why don't we just go have Snack a break? Snack break. Yeah, exactly. So Steve and Sally sitting on the lounge with putting their muesli bar. <laughs> <laughs> Dismantled the cot, but we had the mattress. So um, going to bed last night, putting her to sleep, a lot quicker than I imagined. I was yeah. like, tick, this is great, awesome. Um, but I just thought as I was walking out of the room, I'll just put a cot mattress at the end here just yep. on the chance she somehow squeezes through this 30-centimeter, 40-centimeter grab. So I couldn't sleep very well last night. She's got a bit of a cough, so I'm hearing a cough, waiting yeah. for her to wake up. And your back sore. and Yeah, yep. and... I just was worried that she might. So constantly looking at the monitor off and on. Finally went to sleep about 12.30, 1 o'clock. Steve would come home from rugby. And um, 5 o'clock, hear her crying. Looked at the monitor. Can't see her in the bed. <laughs> She's on the mattress. So thank God I had put that down there. She has squeezed through that gap at the top and rolled out. So this is like a high It's a big bed. bed. You sent me a photo. Very big bed. So she's, she's fallen a long way. And I don't she's know. Probably, if she's did, like, do you reckon she like flipped out as well, or did she just like worm her way? I reckon, I wouldn't even be surprised if she went head first down. I reckon, like <laughs> she she rolls and like rude was that forty five degrees side on whatever. Don't know. So yeah, definitely a rude awakening. Yeah. When I walked in there, I think she was still kind of half asleep too. I reckon if I had not gone in there, she probably would have fallen. <laughs> Sleep on that mattress too. Does your video monitor see the mattress on the floor, or does it, does, it just but see it's the bed? Probably a fair way away. Uh, I need to readjust where it's yeah. and stuff. So I just picked her up and put her in there, and then I had to sleep in there, which is the reason also that we got a king single because yep. she, with me, and only wants me, has to be dead asleep before I put her down. Uh, that's and annoying. like, you know, Steve can put her in and 
patter or whatever. So yeah. for the long stretches that we all know, Sally sleep challenges. Yeah. Um, the three hours I'm literally could be in the rocking chair seated uh. with her like asleep across my lap. So we were like, get a king single. Yep. I'll be comfortable sleeping next to her. Yeah. We'll Plus be the trundle if worse comes to worse as well. Exactly. And Steve was like, you should have just put the mattress in the trundle and had rolled that out. But maybe we'll do that tonight. Like, Thanks so, for the suggestion, bad. honey. Yeah, literally. So I'll take that as a win. That's a win. Yeah. Hopefully tonight you won't have to worry too much about it. But I think I'll be adjusting the railing. Makes perfect. Yeah, bring it <laughs> we'll up a little bit. That gap. No, then she'll fall out the bottom I half. <laughs> Where the mattress, the cot mattress doesn't reach, so I she'll actually not. hit the tiles. <laughs> Let's hope not. You're going to learn today, Sally. <laughs> oh, God. They're hardy, don't they? They bounce. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. All right, let's crack on with this week's episode. Jo Hersey reckons she's had two jobs her entire life and she's loved them both equally. She's a hairdresser by trade, having trained in one of Adelaide's biggest salons before moving north for love and earning her own salons in the decades that followed. She's now the member for Catherine and you'd be hard-pressed finding someone who loves the top-end town more than her. But she's also a mum of three, hates mangoes, believes in manifesting and is still 25 years on, emotionally moved by the events of the Catherine floods in 1998. Please welcome Joe Hersey. Crack on because you talk too much. <laughs> Don't let Catherine I'm get glad it was you that said that, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep. Let's go. Let's Welcome, Joe Hersey. Thank you, Molly. Two months gone tropo. We've had to work around your extremely busy schedule, but we finally got you here. Yes, thank you. And it's a pleasure to be here having a chat about being a mum. Straight from the mango festival. Yes, we've got the beautiful plate of mangoes in front of us that Joe will not touch. No, yeah. I will not touch. I do not, for all the people here in the Territory, no, I do not eat mango. Love dehydrated mango that I will do myself or my father-in-law does a lot of it, um, but I do not touch mango. Why? I don't like the smell. I don't like the taste. It's it's very strong. It's a very strong flavour and I I just don't like it. Do you think that dehydrating it takes the f- intenseness of the flavour away? Yeah, it's very uh, – like most of my growing up years was in the Riverland and we had dehydrated fruit, apricots, peaches, pears. It's very different flavour to the real thing. Like I love dried apricots. I don't eat fresh apricots. <sighs> I love stewed apricots. Yeah. But I don't eat not, – not into the fresh stuff. Interesting. Where's the Riverlands? In South Australia. Ah, uh, okay. A couple yeah, of hours yeah. from Adelaide. Yeah, okay. Mm. Oh, cool. Oh. Well, because you just accused me of talking too much <laughs> – Let's get, <laughs> let's get into it. Joe Hersey, give us your mum stats. So I have three children. I have a boy, James, 26. I have a daughter, Hannah, 23. And I have another son, William, who um, was a bit of a like, oh, will we have another child or won't we? And mm. there's a bit of an age gap there. He's 18. Yeah, right. No, but you say there's a bit of an age gap there. But I remember, so I was working for you, with you, when I fell pregnant with Oscar. And I told I told you at that soccer game, remember, because you were like, do you want a beer? And I was like, oh, no, I'm all good. Thank you. And you just you just looked at me <laughs> and you knew. And you are like, already? <laughs> yeah. I, are you crazy, girl? I, have like, met- I could not do it. Yeah, no, I I have never wanted to have children close together. I'm a bit OCD and I like my house spotless. I like my life in order. I like to know what I'm doing and and uh, to have kids close together. Oh my gosh, no no way. Hannah and Hannah and James are three years apart. Yeah, and then they were both at school. Yeah, and then I had William. What got you over the line for the third? 
Mm, probably my biological clock and the fact that we, you know, I, I didn't have William till I was 38 and um, was that too late? No, I don't, I don't think so because as an older mum, you're more relaxed. Um, I'd already had older two. Older mum? Yeah, I was going to say, it was you know, you already I'd had two. Yeah, so I'd already had two. And there's a lot of people these days that don't have children till they're, you know, in yeah. their late 30s. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I just think there's a lot of living to do before you yeah. um, tie yourself down with children, not that yeah. they're not portable. We used to take our kids when they were little. We used to take them everywhere, yep. whether it was down the river or camping or, you know, on holidays or I think in James's first year of life I went on a plane with him by myself four times down to see family because yeah. my family's all in South Australia. I like to still have a bit of time for me and I think I've always been like that and I think as a mum – people beat themselves up and I've heard on the podcast, you know, people really do juggle spending time with their family and spending time with themselves mm. and the guilt factor. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you still do feel uh, guilty but I know for me being a better mum and a better wife to my husband, um, I need some time for me. Yeah. I like to go and do things for me and I've, I've always been like that. Yeah. So. That's yeah. not really making good. any excuses. It's for good that. to no, no, absolutely. Nor should you have to. This is my thing. The podcast is my thing. How funny is this? I was just telling Joe before we started recording. Jack said to me, oh, he wants to go and buy a Kindle. So I was like, sure, go and buy a Kindle. But as Jack was getting ready to leave, Oscar woke up, and I was like, oh, take Ozzy with you. And he's like, I'm about to go to JB Hi-Fi because he's going to take Artie. And I was like, yeah, you can take both of them. He's like. Molly, I can't take both of them. He's going to be pulling shit off the shelves. I'm going to be carrying Oscar. And I just looked at him and I was like, what do you think I do? Like, what do you think I do on a Wednesday when I have to go to Big W and pick up nappies and fight Artie to stop pulling stuff off the shelves? I was like, you'll be right. And this is coming from a man who starts six months full paternity leave next year. And I was like, you'll be okay. Go and take both the boys. You'll survive. I, I think that's really interesting because, I mean, isn't that why you have a pram? Yeah, I know. Put them in the pram so they're restrained and uh, off you know, you this go, is Dale. for him to figure out. <laughs> See, I'm too much of a control freak. I would have actually given him that option and said this is what you're going to do. The pram's in the car. You can figure it out. <laughs> anyway, I'm yet to hear how it went. I'm sure he'll come back with a few more grey hairs, but don't we Probably. all? Probably. Probably the way. So tell us how you came to the Territory. You sort of hinted before that you're from South Australia. So I, as a small child, used to live in the Territory um, in the early 1970s. My dad was a school teacher at... I thought you were going to um, say early 1900s and I was like, what? And then you said 1970s. Molly, that's extremely I offensive. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where my mind was going. I'm actually not that old, Molly. <laughs> Pick up a piece of mango. Anyway, um, yeah, put that in your mouth. So, so he was a school teacher at Nightcliffe High, and we went to um, actually Rapid Creek Primary, which is now Essington. And we had such good days and good times up here as a family going out into well, it wasn't Kakadu then, going out camping, and you know, they were the days, Molly, when you didn't have disposable nappies. So, you know, dare I say it, my dad washed out nappies under waterfalls, which you would absolutely not do these days mm. um, but you also people went swimming even, in the Catherine River which you would absolutely not do now but we also swam at Kale's Crossing oh. and in the Mary River because there was not crocodiles around anyway um, I know my parents talk about the Finnis River sitting out and oh my god yeah. I went we, down the we used to do River that not so that long much. ago and I spotted like six crocs yeah. within a couple of metres it just shows you how scared they were of humans back then mm. well there I was mean, just none left because they hunted them to oblivion both <laughs> Both, yes. Oh, mate, <laughs> so we used to live on Rapid Creek Road and we used to actually swim in the Rapid Creek, 
you know, yeah, most days after that. school, um, you know, the tide had come in, you get out, you move your bike a little bit and then you go and have a play and then, you you know, tide had wow. come in and move your bike a bit more. And, you know, I, I talk about this with my sister, say, so, you know, like I can't believe our mother because I would have only been five. I can't believe our mother let us do that. We walked to school. So we were on Rapid Creek Road and walked to Essington. Now I've driven that since I've been back here and I think, there is no way yeah. on God's earth I would have let my five-year-old walk to school uh, with her sister who was probably only six. Anyway, so I just had such good memories even though they were when we were quite young and then my dad's brother lives in Alice Springs so we used to come to Alice Springs a lot. So the territory was always somewhere where his other brother lived in North Queensland. So the tropics was always somewhere where – I loved. I love mm. the warm weather. I hate the cold weather. Yeah. And so when I we went to after Dad finished teaching before self government, we went to Loxton, which is where most of my schooling was done. And Dad was a teacher there, and then was and the Loxton's principal in South Australia. In South yeah. Australia, so that's about two and a half hours from Adelaide. Yeah. On the River Murray. Yeah. Dad ended up being the principal at Panola High School for a couple of years, and then um, yeah, then when I finished school. I went to Adelaide and uh, was doing hairdressing. My mother was a hairdresser. I actually just said to someone the other day, I'm like four generations of hairdressers in my really? family. And my mother's aunt was, my mother was, I am, and then my daughter. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, wow. Um, it, like I say, I have a degree in making people look awesome. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm very good well, at your that. Your hair is always <laughs> flawless. Yeah. It was actually one that I wanted to do when I was younger too. Really? Well, I wanted to be a nurse or a hairdresser and I, I don't, a bit like mango, I don't like mango and I don't like blood. Well, why so was my kids were, ever on the list? <laughs> well, I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. So you're very much a people person then? Was that what very it was? Much. Yeah. yeah. I know you love Although a chat. I was, all, I was always a shy, retiring teenager, which I know you'd find that hard to believe, but I was very shy at school um, yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know, probably until I actually got into hairdressing that's probably because when I first started hairdressing I was still a bit shy mm. but you can't be a shy hairdresser not to be a good one anyway so I got into that in in Loxton I started an apprenticeship in Loxton and then um, my mum actually got a job working she didn't work till my brother was 15 and so I just about left school at that age and then she got a job for Peter and Robert which is kind of a bit like like the Oscar and Oscar of today yeah, or the yeah, Edwards yeah. and Co. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like big, um, really well-known hairdressing salons on the East Coast. And so they were a big company in, in Adelaide and so mum started work in Berry um, in their salon and then I went to Adelaide and, and had an interview with them and they were the days where if you went for an interview as a hairdresser, if you wanted to be an apprentice, mm. I can remember going for an interview in Melbourne Street and I was like the queue was a block long. It was just crazy. Everyone wanted to be a hairdresser back then. Since I've had my own business here in Catherine, you would be flat out finding one person. Why do you think that is? Do you think I just think it's there's not much more opportunity for women now? Maybe so, but it's a hard trade. You're on your feet all day. All day. It's tiring. You're basically a psychologist. Um, <laughs> the, the idea of a trade isn't as appealing or it's not the thing to do as it once was. More people are looking like, oh, you've got to go to university to go get mm, that high-paid job. Like, correct. The skill shortages we have. 
our trades. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Dean and I are both tradespeople and all our children ended up in a trade. James and a jewel trade almost. Yeah, James has almost finished a jewel trade and I say you are never going to be out of work having a trade. No. So, so when I went to Adelaide, I ended up finishing my apprenticeship with Peter and Robert. I managed to sell on there. I lived with my grandparents and my mum's parents there for a while and then, you know, that was getting a little bit uncomfortable living with your grandparents, <laughs> uh, even though they were just so beautiful. Um, but then I went out and my grandmother came with me and we went for an interview. Oh, well, not an interview, but we went to see this house where someone had advertised they were just wanting a roommate. And long story short, that roommate ended up being my husband's cousin. Oh. Yeah, so I went and lived in a house in Modbury there and, uh, yeah, so that, that was great. I lived I lived with her and um, – So you met Dean, your husband Dean – like, uh, did he come over he, one day? He or was, was, like, he was tell actually, me, I need to know. So he was actually down there um, on holidays and um, I was on holidays too and I was baking because I, I quite enjoyed baking back then. I don't have time these days. And I was baking a cake and Bronwyn didn't have a cake cooling rack. She said, I'll go around to mum's because her parents just lived around the corner. And so I went around to her mum's and I was like, hello, um, went in there and these Two people. One was actually Brian Faulkner, a really good friend of Dean's at the time, and um, they were there on holidays. They were doing a you know round Australia trip, and I grabbed the cake cooling rack and we had a bit of you know like stupid conversation, friendly banter, yeah, friendly banter. And I said, <laughs> "Oh, you'll have to come yeah. around and uh, try some cake later on." Anyway, I went back and I said to her, "Oh my God, you didn't tell me you've got your cousins down here," and uh, and she said, "Oh yeah, I suppose you would want to know that." And, you know, as if like I was single and, you know, he was obviously single and, and yeah, then we just sort of hit it off. They were around Adelaide for two weeks and we just went out, went out a lot. The Grand Prix was on at the time. Um, I actually met Mark Holt for the first time then too because, the, you know, there was he was I think he was down for the Grand Prix as well. Yeah, so we, we just hit it the off. And then history. Three years we just kept on, you know, um, he used to come down in the wet season because his parents had a vegetable farm, and so even though so he's he a was from the territory, he's born in Catherine. Okay, Dean's born in Catherine. Wow. Yeah. Then I was, yeah, that was going to be my question. Mm. Then. How did you find your way back? To so the Dean's family came from Castonbull in the Adelaide Hills in in the late fifties. His dad came up, you know, lived in the hills all his life. He was looking for flat area. Came to the territory as a crocodile hunter and um, buffalo shooter. God, this just gets better and better. Yeah, yeah. so then he was up here around Point Stewart um, a lot in those early days and ended up in Catherine. And at that time, Ron said you could basically, whatever you could fence, you could have. Obviously, you've got to pay for the material to fence it. And uh, I mean, Dean always says, oh my gosh, dad, why didn't you fence right the way down to, you know, Florina Station. Well, you know, it's just not that simple. Um, but so he fenced a thousand acres and oh then gosh. made, he grew potatoes, he grew peanuts in the early days. Um, and uh, yeah, then went on to be a very successful vegetable farmer in the, in the region for many years. And so Describe what Catherine was like back in that, I suppose, a bit of a heyday. Mm. Well, absolutely. So I think I came to Catherine, I came to Catherine maybe in 89 on the bus. 
right? Mm. Oh my gosh, I can't even believe I did that. I think I'm, <laughs> uh, no, actually one of my clients had a small plane and so they were going to Alice Springs to live. So I got in the little plane at Parafield and went with my client's husband to Alice Springs and we stayed overnight at the underground at Cuba Pedy because it was a small plane. And, uh, yeah, that, that I'd never Could been there. Could this episode that was... be any more Australian? <laughs> and so then went to Alice Springs. I, I'd stay with my auntie and uncle there. Um, they've been there forever. And uh, then bus to Catherine. And I can remember pulling into the BP and it's just like, oh, my gosh, this, you know, this was my adventure. This was a holiday at the time. Mm. And uh, I think I was up there for about two weeks and I think I might have flown back. I wouldn't have bussed all the way back to Adelaide. That is for sure. <laughs> Love the skinny dog but not all the way from Catherine to Adelaide. Skinny dog. And um, even, in my, even in my role now I've got the skinny dog a couple of times because you sit on there for four hours. It's great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. You know, four hours of nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, so then, yeah, in 1990 I came, I came back to live in Catherine and uh, yeah, it was very different. We were 22 k's out of town. Um, I didn't have a job to come to, but as a hairdresser, I mean, who needs to, if you're, if you're good at your trade, you know, you will, and I think hairdressers, everyone's always looking for a hairdresser, even in 1990 or today, yeah. you know, they're like hen's teeth. Yeah. And I got a job, um, in a salon there. There was about eight staff in that salon and that's totally different to how hairdressing is these days as well, because, mm. you know, most staff, most salons don't have a lot of staff. And I did that for a couple of years. And then I did a second job of delivering um, fruit juice and milk and that around town for B&D distributors. And so I used to go and do that job in the morning and then I'd do hairdressing in the afternoons when I knocked off. And by that stage I'd finish at the salon and I was doing mobile hairdressing. Yeah. It was mobile. I was herring around town. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so – um, yeah, I used to go around to people's houses and, you know, so you get to know so many different people. Yeah. Um, we've got the RAF base there. So there's such a, a good group of people from all around Australia mm. coming into Catherine. You would have known all the goss. Oh, well, they're, I mean, they're, as if hairdressers don't already. Well, it's <laughs> funny. Means, it's funny. People, people think hairdressers. It reminds hairdressers. me of Mean Girls when they're like, that's why her hair's so big. She knows all the secrets. Yeah. yeah. That's what I've said before. Yeah, so then, you know, we went over we went overseas for six months after I'd saved up doing those two jobs and travelled around England and Europe for a while and then came back and I think I was probably with Dean for almost 10 years before, you know, like, are you ever going to ask me to marry you? Oh, and, really? And to this well, day, I'll have those. you both know he's never asked me to marry him. Um, Wait, why do you have wedding uh, rings on? How does that work then? Because I said our friend was a jeweller at the time, um, Colin Davison, and uh, he had the jeweller shop. And they, our glass jewellers, always had a fifty percent off sale. And I was always in the jewellers. Uh, and and my husband's right into motorbikes and and lots of toys. So um, I said to him, well. Colin's got a um, a 50% off sale at the jewellers. I said, let's go in um, and uh, see about buying a ring. (laughs) And so so I went went in there and, you know, I'd I'd gone in and had a bit of a look and um, we went into a little room and and Colin brought some rings in and and I can still remember to this day and I give my husband shit about this constantly as he's writing out the cheque. For those of you that don't know, that's something that you write on a bit of paper (laughs) and take to the bank um, as money. As he's writing out, he goes, I could have bought a four into one for my motorbike for this amount of money. And I was like, I, just, I don't know why I didn't get up and walk out then, Molly. Seriously. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> nothing nothing much has changed. We've got many motorbikes. I hope you picked the most expensive one for that. You know, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so so that was us getting engaged and then a year later we got married. So tell me at least got a good wedding, the wedding you wanted or was it? We got married on the farm. And, uh, in Catherine? In Catherine. And uh, a German guy that was working on the farm at the time was a chef so all the vegetables and Ron actually grew broccoli and collie that year, which wasn't his normal um, veg, but he grew it that year because we used all the veg that we grew on the farm for the wedding meal and Reinhardt did the cooking and uh, so we didn't have a venue. I think all up with everything, uh, my wedding was $5,000. Wow. Yeah, it, it was really that. good. It was just, no. you know, we – Put it. I mean, you pay that for a dress these days. I'm sure. Literally, yep. You know, I made How many the garden. Came? Oh, I had about ninety. I was going to say ninety all people. Of yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, no, I had lots of family. I've got a. I've got a big, you know, extended family. Um, and so yeah, there was lots of people from down south that that came up. Yeah, it was it was good. It was really good. Wow. And then we used to live out on the farm as well. Yeah. And I think probably two years later we got married in '95, and two years later we had James. Wow. Is that before or after the flood? Before. Yeah, okay, right. The flood was in 98 and oh, James 98. I was. I thinking 97, yeah. Yeah, no, the flood was in 98 and James was one. Some wild stories out of that flood. Yeah. Even today, it's a. Um, Still so traumatic. It is, it is. It's really. Oh my gosh, um, I didn't expect this to. Oh. What is it that gets you so emotional about it? Was it just that it was just such a hectic situation? Because we had. Um, no idea it was going to be as big as it was and it was huge. The water was right up to the um, the top of the door in the house. I can remember wading through waist-deep water to go back and turn our power off. I can't oh even God. think of how crazy that was. Yeah, the risk. And you had a, how old was James? He was literally just one. Oh, my God. He oh. was one on the 23rd of January. And the flood was the Australia Day. Because, I mean, oh. so we've, we've obviously talked about Cyclone Tracy so often on this podcast, obviously being based in Darwin. Mm. But really still looking at the, the news stories that we have at work of those floods, it was horrific and just as devastating as, as the cyclone really, wasn't it? Everything- oh, absolutely. And, you know, town was basically, you could just about say wiped out mm. and – Thank God we had uh, Mike Reed was a local member there, and he was he just took over running everything. But because we were twenty two k's out of town, I can remember saying, you know, I'm saying to Ron as we woke up that morning, there's water going through. Um, this is actually not really even talking about children, is it? It doesn't really? matter. But it's that's it's what a this lead up podcast to is about. <laughs> Life in the territory. Um, and I think that was probably worse because I did have a baby, mm, you know, even though he was one, he's still a baby. And uh, so we woke up that morning and I said, oh, my God, I can hear water. And you get up and there's water running through the carport under the house. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like we had had three days consecutively of 10 inches of rain. Was this a due lot. to a, like a, a cyclone? So there was come- a cyclone. Yeah. But there was also I think there was a king tide. So it was, so it's just it was perfect the perfect storm, storm yeah. literally. 25.4 centimetres in 10 inches. Wow. A day for three days, just constant, and then lined up with the tide. Yeah. 
Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. And so you woke up and you could just hear lapping water. You basically. could hear the water running under the house. And so we go over. Like Ron's lived there since the 50s, right? This yeah. is 1998. And Ron's your father And my father-in-law, yeah. yeah. Real bushy, you know, lived through lots of different things. So I went over, Ron, do you think we're going to flood? No. No, no, it's not. No, it's not going to flood. And um, so, you know, the water keeps on coming up and up. You think, oh, my gosh, Ron, do I leave the louvers open or do I close them? Like, yeah. seriously, is it even going to make any difference? And, um, you know, you're just thinking of all this stupid stuff. I mean, we put cars, Dean's brother and his wife, they had a little boy as well and James and Stephen are only five weeks apart. So we'd put our cars up on the loading ramps thinking, oh, that'll be high enough and we've like chained them to the loading ramp. Mm. Um, we've loaded the baby's prams up in the cars and packed up all a heap of stuff and taken them to the shed and put them up on pallets thinking this is going to be, be high enough. You know, we should have put them on top of the cool rooms because then they would still be there. Yeah. Packed all this stuff on the in the corner of the laundry sink and, you know, put new toys from yeah. James's birthday and, and everything up in the corner there. And, uh, you know, we'd got stuff up on tables and and then – We'd left the little boys. Well, I'd left James over with my mother-in-law on the veranda because obviously their house was right near the riverbank and that's the highest point and we were a little bit further down. And I can remember Sterling Buntine had rung a couple of times and I said to Dean, well, get Sterling. I said, ring Sterling back. I'm not going to be some hero being airlifted off a roof because we'd already heard that had happened to someone in Catherine. And um, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here, you know, I'm not – I don't, I don't want to hang around here. If so did you take James with you? So so at that point, I don't know how it happened, but the rescue helicopter came in and it probably landed in water almost as, you know, maybe 500 mil, yeah. um, at, you know, at least. And so we waded out to the helicopter in the paddock with the kids with no shoes and bloody bindies all underneath oh your feet. Gosh. Oh, my gosh, it was horrendous. Got in this helicopter and Tracy and I, my sister-in-law with her little boy, Stephen, and, and I had James and we got in there. I don't know why we didn't take my mother-in-law, but she was staying there. Um, and we got in the helicopter basically with our babies and flew out. What was it like flying out? It was next level. You couldn't even, you couldn't even make out where you were. Wow. It was like an inland sea. It was, it was um, like, you know, we didn't have mobile phones and I didn't have the camera. Dean had had the camera, left the camera somewhere over in the, in the, on his mum's veranda and that sort of went leg up. Um, so we didn't even have those photos. And, um, and it was just you couldn't even make out where you were going or where the river was. It was incredible. How fast and so did it we, come in? It was very quick. I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you, but it was it was really quick. Um, my father-in-law, we actually got flown to Paddy Buntine's house and we mm. stayed there. So we were still out of town because we were cut off from town. We didn't know anyone in town really to go and stay with. And in hindsight, the best thing ever was we stayed at Paddy's house because, you know, she just it was like open house. We just it had to be. Um Sterling was flying around helping out. So, you know, he was flying in fresh food because obviously the trucks were all backed up. They couldn't get through town. Um, 
It was it was devastating. There were so many people that were that had their lives devastated. Cattle flipping Ingrid Phillips, all their cattle were, you know, banked up on the high level bridge. You know, their their Brahmin herd, and it was just. Yeah, it was, it was really was, I'd rather a flood than a bushfire, but it was next level. Um, And even all this time later, yeah, I wouldn't like to go through it again, that's for sure. Do you think Catherine truly recovered to how it was pre-flood? No. It's never been the same? I reckon there was about 12,000 people in Catherine before the flood. Wow. And I don't think we've ever gone back to that many people. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And um, and all the farming and stuff as well, that never really Yeah, well, my father-in-law only, and he found out that he didn't have insurance. Um, oh. We actually had a house in town at the time that we were renting and thankfully I knew we had insurance on that because the insurance from that paid for that house to be fixed up and Dean being a builder, his brother was a builder, um, so we fixed up our house out on the farm as well. But we just lived in a demandable just with no floor coverings. It was basically camping in a demandable for a year with James, um, you know, before we could get back mm. up and going. And that's the thing I think of these days. When people, when you see the floods down south that happen, I always think that ongoing you know, those people will be yeah. recovering for a long time. Mm. It's not just that clip you see on the TV and then you forget about it. You know, there's people still recovering from floods down south. Yeah. And, absolutely. I mean, I know in Catherine there's some people that just really didn't recover. They didn't have the insurance and they didn't have the money to ever really, um, you know, fix their house up properly. Mm. So I was so grateful that we had insurance at our house mm. in town Um to be able to fix up our house yeah. at home. I think one thing, um, if you ever get the chance to go through Catherine, this is to whoever's listening, or if you're in Catherine, we have heaps of listeners in Catherine, but if you're driving from, um, uh, I think it's like from the Pop Rocket out to down to like where low level is, just kind of near where the Catherine Toyota is in a, the um, there's a, a mural hidden on a wall in between two industrial buildings. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I look at it every single time I drive past and it's a big brick wall kind of just around from the Catherine Toyota, I think, but it's definitely but in that area and it has – a big mural on it that has a the watermark on of the Catherine flood, like the mm. Catherine flood came up to here, and I can't think of where you're talking about. Um, I'll have to. It's definitely as you're driving back towards low level along the um, in that sort of industrial little area there. It's really hidden. Like you would only is it on the corner of Riverview? Is it on the side of the Riverview? It uh, might. Have- I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's. Um, yeah, but it's definitely down from Pop Rocket, but you would only see it if you were driving back. But anyway, I always look at it as I'm driving back. It's on the right. <clears throat> and it to me, you know, Fiona, if anyone has a chance to go back and listen again, the my mother-in-law's episode, she doesn't really touch on the Catherine Flood, but the stories that she tells, like they were one, like Paddy Buntine, they were the, one of the mm. only houses in that area that didn't get flooded. And she said, we had so many people here, Glenn, who had an earth moving business after the flood had to go in and um, put all the graves back together. Like, oh yeah, yeah, like so yeah. many devastating things that happened from that flood and people who just spent so long recovering and Fiona said we were the only house on Morris Road that wasn't flooded and she said we had heaps of people there anyway so that marking on that wall is so interesting and it really gives you a a good idea and that's a fair way 
I mean, it's kind of on the back of low level, I guess, but how big that flood was and how much it would have really impacted that town. Well, that flood went all the way out to Catherine East. So Amungalan mm. Road, there was people on Amungalan Road, that's where they were. One lady just had a baby, oh um, Adelaide Jack. She got lifted off the roof with her tiny baby and the flood went all the way to the back of the houses on Maluka Road and mm. out into the industrial area. Mm. Um, so it was very widespread, mm. you know, it was very. And when you go over that river, over the bridge now, it's so amazing to think it's, you know, um, I think on the well, yeah, bridge it goes up to about 19 metres. Yeah, exactly. And I think in the flood, I mean, I suppose I should know that, but at the end of the day it didn't matter. You were flooded. didn't exactly. matter what the metre yeah. was. Mm. I think it was about 22 metres though. <sighs> and then, then in 2006 we'd moved into town into our rental um, and that was after I'd had Hannah. Hannah was six months old. And I was working in town. I was just sick of driving in and out, driving yeah. in and out. And, um, yeah, as I said, after the flood, Ron only farmed for another year. And then um, so then the boys were out doing, instead of working on the farm, Dean and his and his brothers were doing other work. Yeah. Dean was built back building. And, yeah, we moved into town. I mean, we used to just go in there and camp on weekends. Mm. And then I just said, well, I'm staying in here so you can either come. <laughs> you can come either or come in or yeah or or not but yeah. the kids and I are living in town yeah that's not in the house you're in now is it yeah so yeah. in the in the in the front of our property where where I ended oh, up right. having my salon yeah right yeah so tiny little it was actually an old Tyndall house and there's lots of those old Tyndall houses from the RAF base when the RAF base was first built just a three bedroom tiny little fibro home mm -hmm. and uh but you know we we made do we had mm. outdoor area um and uh, again, thanks to Paddy Buntine that we even bought that block, and uh, and we've never really looked back. We're yeah. literally five minutes to town, but we're semi-rural. It's great. I love it. Yeah. And I think what resonates through all our episodes talking to people who have been here, it's that community spirit. No matter what mm. part of the territory, everyone really does band together, and that was clearly shown. Post Absolutely. And I even today say to my colleagues, well, Catherine is the centre of the universe and there's a lot going on there and we have an amazing community. And it doesn't matter whether I was at the Berry Springs Market this morning, the Mango Festival, or whether I was wherever I was yesterday to – oh at Bridge yesterday talking to this lady and there's always a connection to Catherine. Yeah. Always. Yeah. It was just, it was amazing. And so the lady I spoke to at Bridge yesterday, her daughter was a client of mine when I had the hairdressing salon. Oh, my God, only just, in the territory. You know, uh, yeah. Forget it, the six degrees just, of separation, it's more like two or three. Oh, I just think it's one. Seriously, yeah. it's, it's one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's quite it's quite unique. And, and, you know, maybe that's because of my hair dressing background and I, and I did that for 35 years and absolutely loved it and I still love it. I still do a couple of couple of uh, clients that just can't let go. Um, but that's, but that's, <laughs> that's my... right. Having a hairdresser <laughs> yeah, that you yeah, like, yeah. that you're confident and trust in is a very big process. It, it is. I love that job. I've really been so grateful in my life to have two jobs that I love because I love being the member for Catherine because yeah. I'm such an outward people person. And you're and also passionate about your community. Absolutely. I think that shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely passionate about my community. And and I love I love hairdressing. Mm. Because it, it's, you know, you're you're a bit creative and you there's 
I know what it's like to get my hair done myself, as I'm sure you two ladies would, especially when you've got little kids. It just makes you feel so good about it yourself. Does. That's it's you know, you could be having the to be most, able to give to someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's my degree. Love it. In making people look amazing. Yeah, I love it. Well, you do I always you do Marie Claire Boothby's hair over Parliament and she always you can every every now and then I'll every now and then I'll do MC's hair. She'll come in and say, Oh, you're free or oh, yeah. bless. it's I love so it. nice. That's and you so can good. see the difference I love it, it makes in, in her, like just in the difference, you know, when she's standing up in the parliament and saying what she needs to say or whatever it is at the time and I'm like, Oh, you just the difference that that makes when you go and get your hair done and you're like, God, Mm. it just makes you feel good. Mm. Mm. So we obviously mentioned before, this is a parenting podcast. (laughs) We never really (laughs) talked about the kids. What was it about Catherine that you loved raising your kids there? It is free. It is easy. um, Everything is five minutes away. Mm. Um, You know, the funniest thing was by the time I'd got to have William, um, the creche that was run by a girlfriend of mine was in Catherine East. Okay. Now, Catherine is not a big place. I'm sure both of you have been there. Mm. But I, I, literally, there. <laughs> I literally see all roads lead to good things happening in Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> I literally live two minutes drive from work, five if I have to stop at the highway because there's a bit of traffic. And so, yeah, five minutes to the shops and then I'd have to go to Catherine East. It's like, oh, my God. I said, Penny, it's like I'm driving to Mataranka. (laughs) I mean, obviously not. But when you're so used to everything being so close, I mean, I chose the school that my kids went to, Cath South, because I could walk across the railway bridge. They could be on their push bikes. Even the preschool was like 10-minute walk. So you'd put the kids in the, Mm. you know, um, Hannah in the pram and walk. Will, uh, James had ride his push bike just over to preschool and then he'd ride his push bike down to Cath South School, which is maybe three kilometres, but I met up with other mums on the way and it was and it was great. Mm. You know, then you'd stay and you'd help out at the school and, you know, do reading or help out in the canteen or do whatever, mm. come home. Um, school was easy. And then with William, it was Crace was over the other side of town. But But, you know, even saying that, it's like literally 10 minutes or – you know, something like that. It's not, you know, mm. maybe maybe 12, but not that far. Everything is so close. Mm. Um, we have some great friends that have been there for a very long time. That community spirit and community pride is, it's very hard to get that in a small community. I don't know. I've lived up here or I've lived in Catherine now for 33 years. I, I do see that in Loxton where my parents live and there's a lot of you know, good community spirit and obviously there's a lot of older people so you've got a lot of volunteers. But in Catherine, you've still – when the chips are down, everyone everyone pulls in and gets together. When someone's had an accident like mm. Emily Tapp, for example, yeah. you know, when she had her big accident, there was a massive fundraiser and yeah. everyone banded together and helped her out yeah. um, fundraising. And, and you know, there's been so many of those um, stories over the years that I've been yeah. there. Um, the museum has an amazing fundraiser every second year and – they raise, I think the last one was $126,000, yeah. yeah, right. you know. Um, that's huge yeah. coming from community people and most of those people that go to the museum fundraising dinner are long-time locals that, mm-hmm. you know, See are the just. benefits of Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. that's Fiona and Glenn, Jack's parents, my in-laws, they just spent 
They were in Catherine for what, 42 years, I think they were in Catherine for? Long, long yeah, time. Yeah, long time. And they've just retired to Ellie Beach. And Fiona says one of the things she misses about where they live now is just no community spirit. And, you know, Glenn, I think, used to go and donate his time to mow the lawns or do all the earth moving or whatever he did for the museum. And they yeah. would be big supporters of that. And it's true. Like, community spirit goes a long way in those little towns. Absolutely. So what were some of the challenges then that you faced being in a sort of semi-isolated location, you know, three hours drive it's from It's funny, you know, because I, like growing up in the country all my life, I never feel isolated. Mm. I'm very um, adept at getting in the car and going to Darwin. I mean, I can remember the first time when I came to Catherine in 1990 and I must have only been there a few weeks and, again, seriously, I don't even know why I didn't turn around and go then. Um, mm. <laughs> obviously love my husband dearly. Yeah. But I reckon I wouldn't have been there a month. And he goes, because they went on this annual fishing trip to the Round Hole, which is I don't even know where that is, but it's somewhere down near Mataranka. And, uh, you know, they'd done it for 10 years and it was just this thing that they did every year. And so it's like, well, I'm going, I said, oh, right, well, well what am I going to do then? And my auntie and uncle lived up in Darwin, which was another reason, um, you know, that I did have some family up here. And they lived up in Darwin and I can remember getting in Dean's ute and travelling up to Darwin. I'd never driven that far um, or, you know, I'd never driven to Darwin um, at that stage and uh, it was absolutely, it must have, well, it was March in Easter and uh, and it was absolutely pelting down. I've never driven in rain like it in all my yeah. life. And I was down to 80 kilometres an hour, you know, and you're right up against yeah. the steering yeah. wheel High looking out the window. the window. Oh, my well, gosh. Screen, it was, it was horrendous. Wipers. Anyway, I made it and I, ha- I spent the weekend with my auntie and uncle and then, yeah, went back home. But And so, yeah, I mean, and fortunately, you know, we are able to, travel to see family um and and that was a really big thing for me that you know if I'm going to have little kids up here I need to be able to go and see my family so mm. that means you'll go with our other things so that you can afford the airfares um and sometimes um you know mum and dad helped out um in going uh um paying your airfare and you'd have to drive to Darwin to fly yeah down. so drive yeah, yeah. you couldn't really you can't fly out of Catherine that no, distance or no, to, to the main no, airport. No, you can't. Stuff. You can't fly out of Catherine. So yeah, driving to Darwin and then and then going down. But I have to tell you, I love the airport. And most people that know me will go, "What do you want to be at the airport that early for?" I said, "I'm." love the airport. I'm happy to sit there for two hours because I've missed about four flights in my life, and there is nothing worse. And one of those flights was. I can remember like it was yesterday driving out of the driveway and I was going to, you know, I'm one of those wives that actually used to cook all the meals and put them in the freezer for my husband. I don't do that anymore. (laughs) Not not even really that much for my children who aren't, who are actually adults. Um, Anyway, so I'm doing all the last minute things. By that stage I'd had William. um, So I got the two older kids, eight, five, and then the newborn baby. And William was born in May and it must have been – he was still under one anyway. I couldn't even tell you how old he was. But I, I was driving out the driveway and mum goes, oh, like, you know, I'm here at the airport. Just let me know when you get in. I said, mum, I said, what is going on? I said, you're a day early. I don't get in till tomorrow. 
oh, oh, she says. I said, look, I'm just going out to do something now and um, I'll let you know when I go home. And when I get back home, I'll, I'll check and let you know. And um, anyway, so I went and did whatever I had to do and I was, you know, I was washing sheets and doing everything. The house had to be clean and, you know, mm. so had to have everything in order um, so that I could actually go on holidays, doing last-minute cooking and all this kind of thing. I get back home and I look at the details. It's like, uh-oh, oh, my God. I rang Dean. And I just, I just burst into tears Aww. and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't even get myself up off the bed. I was just crying and crying and crying. And, uh, and you just think, oh, my God, how could you be so stupid, you know? <laughs> but it, it was in the early days when the flights changed and you could fly in the middle of the night. Right, and they were the cheapest flights, so I'm yeah, taking three. Yeah. yeah, I'm taking <laughs> three kids with me. I'm not going Qantas. Sorry, Qantas, you're too expensive. Um, so I'm going in the middle of the night with my three kids. Yeah, and it's oh a my up. It gets god, so many people. Honestly, that's happened to me a couple of times. Like, I love the airport, and uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm, yeah, I've I've even without the kids once I missed a flight. It's like oh my god, seriously. Yeah, so like I'm a little bit the paranoid these days. Yeah, um, healthy so, paranoia. Can we talk about your bodybuilding competition? Mm. Oh, <laughs> if we must. I yeah, can't that's even awesome because I've always was. known that Dean was very into it. Dean's always been into weights. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't know that you had entered like a bodybuilding competition. It was a. Um, I can't even remember what they called it, and How I long couldn't ago even was this? tell. Yeah, I couldn't last even year. Tell didn't you see it? Last no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'll have you know. I'll have a story on it otherwise. <laughs> no, Love no, no. That. It was it was a it was a very long time ago. I, I'm very goal driven and I like to like I've done a couple of marathons. I did the um Oh in Oh my god. 20, 2013. 2013. <gasps> there you go. Oh, years ago. Oh wow. That's that's twenty kilos like twenty kilograms lighter. You look incredible. Oh my god. I've never oh had my god. I've never had your hair's so blonde. Well, I'm full so body brown. Body. so tan that it makes you the golden tan. That is but there that are is abs, the there are biceps. So that why did you why and what was the process? So why because as I said I'm very goal driven and I like to know that if I'm going to, um, and Dean's always said, oh, yeah, when I'm 50, I'll do a bodybuilding competition. It's like, well, you're 57 now, love, you know. Um, Look how ripped she is. He is not goal-driven at all. Well, he might be in some things that he thinks he is, but I I was friends with other people that had done competitions and um, the gym instructor that I used to go to gym classes with, she had done, which is actually Kirsten Engels, who's now, in police, I think in the, in yes. um yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. In, so she, she was riding to bodybuilding TV, competition. Yeah. Yeah. There was a whole group of us in Catherine that used to go to Kirsten's classes at a, as a boot mm. camp and and uh, train. It's just the absolute skill and art of being able to shred down to looking like that on stage. Yeah, the dedication. dedication. Yeah. The discipline. Yeah, and commitment it's, to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So I said that I was going to do that and there's no way known I'm going to be failing. If I'm saying I'm going to do that, I am not going to be failing Especially at it. Especially if you have to stand up on a exactly. stage and exactly. show. Exactly, yeah. Essentially, you're, you're yeah. hard work. Yeah, you're yeah. It, is, it is next level coming out of your shell. And as I say, I mean, in my older years, I'm certainly – 
not shy or retiring, but that is next level when yeah. you are putting yourself on show um, to the world and, and people in general are so critical of people's body shapes these mm. days and I think everyone certainly every female has a has an issue with body shape so I said that I would do that so that was a 12 week process from that was 12 weeks 12 weeks you know just about it might have been it might have been 16 it's not it's it's not actually that long because the thing is it's all about what you eat yes it is 80% about what you eat. And I can tell you to look like that, I was half an hour in the gym every day, one hour on leg day. So that's not a long time, right? No. Yeah, you see people in the gym and they're in there for hours and whatever and I go, you're wasting your time. You've clearly got a lot of time to waste because I don't. Um, and so half an hour every day, hour on leg day, you did a couple of, um, you know, hit sessions a week towards the very end and you were having four meals a day and then towards the end you'd have five meals a day. Like I actually went to – I went to see Pink in Melbourne during that time. Yeah. I took my esky with all my made-up food. We went shopping in David Jones and Myers, and I propped myself up with my <laughs> – got my knife out, cut yeah. it, had my little board in there, cut it up in the David Jones little, um, oh, uh, you know, in the little oh eating gosh, area yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. and had my chicken and – Broccoli. Um, <laughs> no, no, it was no, it was almonds and celery or something like that. The thing is, it's one day, and it's really an hour of that day of your life to get to look like that. Because the next day, when you go back to eating normally, you don't look like that. No. And and I think it's very unhealthy, also. What Which is why I've never done it again. Yeah. I think the process, in my opinion, is very unhealthy. Yeah. Um, because you're shredding down to, um, it's you not know, sustainable. It's it? no, it's absolutely not sustainable. I mean, I did Weight Watchers. I wanted to be amazing by the time I was 40 and get to goal. So I did Weight Watchers and I did that really well and I looked amazing at 40. And then this was when I was. 2013, so, you know, 46. 10 years ago, oh, I would have been 46, yeah. And um, and so, yeah, and here I am, you know, 10 years ten years on and 20 kilos heavier. Oh, but you look And um, I just think, you know, yeah, I wouldn't mind losing a bit of weight, but at the end of the day you have to kind of be healthy. Yeah. And, um, you have and a this life is, to live. Yeah, and this is a very busy life Was there that I have now to – was there a catalyst or something that made you want no, to No, I just it? you just thought I'm going to give it a crack. No, I just wanted to give it a crack. Yeah. Awesome. And I think before that I think when I did the marathon, I think I did that before that. I think that was maybe 2011, 2012. And the reason I did that twice was because um I went to the Gold Coast first and wanted to do it under 4 hours and I did 4 hours and three I think it was <laughs> and it's like mm. so I got a different coach trained harder and went back and did it again and I did 358 so I shaved five <laughs> minutes Good off my you. time and awesome. and so then you know like yeah that's yeah. done do I run these the days one. very very um really you still live a really healthy life though like you I go salads. I go to you I go to the I, gym and you know I, I ride or I really walk well. or you know obviously you too much <laughs> no but you also <clears> like 
in your job now you do a lot of letterbox dropping you're always walking and like even in your job as a hairdresser you're on your feet all day that's no easy feat Mm. yeah that's right and I I think you know we do like to be reasonably healthy Um, I like my kids to know that to live a long life, you need to have a healthy life, and I yeah. think they're pretty um, healthy. I mean, they're typical young people, um, you know, and they'll drink and carry on whatever. But you not Jay and Jersey. Um, yeah, no, the whole three of them really. Um, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree sometimes. <laughs> well, when I turned fifty, I decided I was going to have a whole year of being fifty, mm. and I decided I would buy myself a Mustang. Oh, yes, Joe Hersey's Mustang. So I went with a girlfriend who's very much into um, looking after the car and being the man and and doing all that. Not that she's a man at all, but I am so not into like change of tyre. Yeah, no, that's absolutely not me. Um, And so we, I said to her, you know, you want to come down and do a road trip with me. So, yeah, in the, I think it was in April, I turned 50 in the March and in the April we drove down and friends that had a car yard in Catherine, I got in contact with them. They got me a good deal on this Mustang, went down there. Oh, my God, we had the best time. That's awesome. We had the best time driving that back. It was like a Thelma and Louise trip. It was so, <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah. yeah. How were you when you had to sell that car? Because you had to sell Yeah, not Every that time long I see ago. a Mustang these days I go, oh, my God. You'll get another it. one though, won't you? Well, you they're very low. Yeah. And as you get older. And they chew fuel too. I remember you saying suspension. it was thirsty girl. <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really even into cars. I, I like keeping my car nice and clean and whatever, but I'm not really into cars. But for some reason, the Mustangs always resonated with me. Mm. You know, being up and back along the highway wasn't really conducive to driving. I mean, it was certainly quick, um, but safety if you're traveling late at night or early in the morning yeah. not really you know that conducive to traveling up and down pigs on the road and i was, even just last weekend i saw buffalo in the scrub during the day mm. yeah so we are coming towards the end of our normal allocated time but don't extend a little bit <laughs> things prior to when we started recording you're talking about um the kids and and your daughter and i suppose the relationship and then how open you have with her. You were literally taking the question out of my mouth. I was just, <laughs> you're great minds. <laughs> That's why you're champion podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a very close relationship. She followed in your footsteps. To yeah, yeah. And um, I think Hannah's probably the, she's got probably the best of me and the best of Dean in her. And she's, she is such a beautiful soul. The boys are too. But I just spoke to somebody yesterday and they said, oh, my, actually I think it was the markets this morning. Her daughter was hard work and the boys, oh, she says they're a dream. Yeah, right. Jack, you definitely raised, I mean, I don't know Will, but I know James very well. He was over at our house the other day fixing an aircon. Jack and him are good mates. He's a wild man. James is, James is leading his own life oh. doing his own thing. But, you know, love him dearly. But they are, they've always been challenging um williams williams not as much but i actually think you know when you say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree i i always used to go i'm sure my mother took me to a psychiatrist or something like that i actually don't know but when i lived in darwin we used to go somewhere on a 
Saturday morning or something and mum never told me where it was but I used to sit in the corner while she spoke to someone and whoever that was at the old Miley Point Hospital in Darwin. Um, anyway, so I just think, you know, maybe I was a bit ADD or something like that, which, which, I, which I get because, you know, James is probably like that as well. Um, but Hannah is a, is a good mix of both of us and, you know, growing up, as I say, my mum was home and she was a she was a, a home mum and didn't work till my brother was 15. But there was no, you know, when you got your period or when anything was happening, yeah. it was just like, you know, some I talk about this with my sister, you know, just some pads rocked up on your bed or whatever. It's like, oh, what do I do with these? Yeah. You know? Whereas now, um, like we share all that, you know. I, t- I talk about all that with my daughter, and and even you know we were talking about Bridie Duggan and, yeah. and going on to being a parent and things like that, and absolutely a conscious decision to be more open. But Hannah is very much an open book, and sometimes I think well, it was a bit of oversharing there. But you know, um, it's yeah, all my kids actually are oversharers, um, which I think is actually a really good thing. Sometimes with those boys, I don't want to know, but. Um, <laughs> But I, but I think it is. I think it's a good. I think that's a good thing as a parent. Do you? Yeah, think sometimes that- it makes you feel uncomfortable. But I think I'm very happy that they are comfortable enough yeah. to share anything. And I and I know. I'm wondering what they aren't telling you. No, but How then in saying that, meet- I don't think anyone's ever will die wondering what I think of them either. So. <laughs> How do you, as a mum, uh, when you're being told things that you might not be happy with or agree with or think is the right or wrong thing. How do you respond when your kids are too open with you or say things like, oh, mum, I got into a bit of trouble doing this? I just think I say to people, um, as a parent, you do the best you can with what you've got. Because I can remember having a conversation with my mother where, you know, something was going on and it was James when he was little and mum didn't like the way that I chastised him and disciplined him, but she was happy to sit there and let it all, um, hopefully she won't listen to this, she was happy to sit there and watch all the behaviour happen. Mm. And I just think I hope that as a grandmother I would step in to alleviate the pressure on that parent, Mm. whereas it's the end of the day, I'm tired, I think he just kept getting in and out of bed, in and out of bed all the time and I smacked his bum and threw him on that bed and shut that door and she went off at me and I just said, well, who ever said you were the effing best parent? Wow. Who ever said you were the perfect parent? I said to her, she went crying off to her room. Um, (laughs) You know, but I just just think that no one is a perfect parent. Yeah. No one is a perfect parent and there's no perfect way of doing it and I think that's really important for mothers these days to realise that you are just doing the best you can with what you've got. And when I see parents having a hard time in the supermarket with their kids, I smile at them and talk to them and whatever, but you never know what's led up to that moment and that's, I mean, I can remember smacking was probably James in a supermarket (laughs) Um, and I had a policeman standing behind me and I thought, mate, you don't even want to open your mouth at this point because I'm going to have a go at you as well because <laughs> I had absolutely had enough. But, you know, you're saying Jack's gone off with the kids. Well, yeah. you know, that that's just what you do. Yeah. You just you just do what you do yeah. with the best you've got at the time. Yeah. And, and sometimes it mightn't be your proudest moment. I've nearly been late for my kids at an assembly one time because I was so worried about making sure the bloody house was tidy or they'd made their beds or they'd cleaned their teeth or whatever Mm. and we nearly missed their assembly piece, you know. And then after that when I nearly missed it I thought, 
there is nothing more important than actually getting to the school. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that you mentioned that when you become a reference, you're not, yeah. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> when you that not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> that you hope that if you're something like that, that you'll be step in and help. But do you think that maybe when it comes to that point, though, you might let... You, you might sort of end up taking no. that step back to allow them to do it their way, I suppose. I don't think so because I'm a bit overbearing. <laughs> um, although, but in saying that, I couldn't imagine it with the boys, but with Hannah it would be different because I always think daughters are always yours. Boys always grow up to be their wife's partner, you know. It's, yeah. it's a different relationship. And so um, – and I'm pretty sure if I overstep the mark, my daughter would let me know. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's not backward in coming forward either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in a softer way. She's a she's a lot softer version. She's she's a lot more like Dean in that very diplomatic. <laughs> oh my gosh. Things how she might. You have mentioned how she said to you, "Mum, it's been a while since you know when when we were doing the podcast. It's been a mm. while. Things have changed. Hundred percent. See that how different it is." when they were little now. Oh, absolutely. And I think hindsight's a wonderful thing that you would think, oh, well, I wish that was around when, like, I go back to Bridie. You know, um, at International Women's Day, Bridie Duggan came down and was talking about um, women's health and stuff like that. And there were so many things that she was talking about. And I think, we we seriously went in blind. Mm. I mean, James was born a month early. I didn't even get to... What did what are they call antenatal classes? I don't even know what they're called because I never went to any of I them. I didn't go to them either. Um, you know, and I I didn't even know. I mean, I'd had a bad cold, and and my um, I just I rang my girlfriend up next door, and I said, "Oh my god, like I just can't stop going to the toilet." And she goes, "Oh, like, are you right? Do you do you think your um water's broken?" I said, "Well, I don't know. Like, I feel like I just need to." have a towel there, you know, and she yeah. goes, oh, I think you need to go in, Joe, go in and get it checked at the hospital. I said, oh, you think so? She said, yes. <laughs> and I went in there and, and yeah, my, my waters had broken but there was hind water and, yeah, yeah, like we didn't, I didn't even know about that, right? So I had to stay in hospital for two days before James was actually born and he was like this, he was only five pound five. Not that you'd oh, believe that these sorry. days, he was only tiny. I don't even know what that is. What's five pound five? Tiny. Tiny roadkill looks like a little pinky, yeah. <laughs> oh, the skinny dog, yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. And and interestingly enough, when I was thirty eight and had William, both both the boys were um, I can't even remember what the terminology is, but when babies are born, they're meant to be face down. Both those boys were face up, and they were difficult births. Oh, so both of them were forceps. Hannah just was a breeze, two hours. Yeah, Oscar you was know. like that too. Oh, my God. So she just came into the world beautiful and has stayed beautiful. Not Love the boys. <laughs> oh, they're challenging. They're challenging. Love them both too, but they're seriously challenging. <laughs> Got to oh have something gosh. to challenge you, I suppose. <laughs> um, I just want to ask also, we're not getting political, but you are the member for Catherine. What was it that, you know, that made you want to be the member for Catherine? That is a great question, Kathleen, and I'm more than happy to share that. <laughs> Because as someone who lived Have in the community for <laughs> no, 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 it's not because it's because it's the truth. I I literally um had lived there at that time for 30 years. Um Catherine has always since self-government been a conservative seat. 
we had four years of a Labor member and then she decided she wasn't going to run and I thought, well, Now's the time. I, I can absolutely do that. I'd been a member of the party for 20-plus years. Um, I'd been a, um, you know, like just a party member and then been on the executive and then, you know, go to central council, which is the conferences that they have. And um, and I thought, well, I know all these people. I've, I've, I've got a good grasp of what, you know, happens in my community. Um, I'm very passionate about my community. If anyone hears me in Parliament, they will know that I'm always banging on about Catherine. Do you know what's so funny? Can I just interrupt for a second? So I used to be Joe's media advisor, which is how I have such a good relationship with Joe. And it was so funny whenever I'd be like, can you do radio on this? Oh, you know, like give me the talk points, give me the talk points. You give Joe anything to say about Catherine, you have a hard time getting her to stop talking. It's not, sometimes I have to realise that there is actually other places in the, in the <laughs> territory, but as I say, Catherine is the centre of the universe. And I had a great mentor in Mike Reed, and who was the previous member for Catherine years prior. And um, yeah, then I also um, I had I had a life coach. You know how you get on to do like a so oh, I. That's um, so interesting. Yeah, so I did that, and um, then I I joined up and did uh, thinking into results. But I wrote. On the 22nd of September uh, 2020, I will be the member for Catherine. And I had that on my mirror. I said that every day before I went to bed. I said that every morning when I got up. I acted like I was the member for Catherine in my business and in everything I did around mm. it. And people might think that's crazy. No, I don't think but so. But that works for me and that's kind of how I live my life. And, and funnily enough, my kids are like that and I've not ever said that to them but I think they've seen the way I live my life and so I did that. Yeah, I've done other courses as well and I, and I truly do believe that if you want something enough and you believe in something enough, it's just got to happen. I and I'm not a woo-woo person at all, but I truly believe in manifesting. I'm usually the one that's like, wall moles, but um, yeah. great sailor. Yeah. All the jets, we haven't become finalists, so we haven't eliminated like... But I'm, but yeah, I'm already, well, you I'm already you are? there. You, you should be thinking you are. Well, I, I talk, I, I, I have to tell you, I, I talk this podcast up. I tell everyone about it. I know, it. you're I so it. good. You, I know, you are one of, I think you and it's, Natasha Files are our regular, regular listeners and we appreciate that so much. I love it because you find out, I love listening to your dads, you know. Um, there's been Kate Warden's daughter. Oh, yes, yeah, Sarita. Um, oh, fuck, what a hoot uh, she is. Tracy Hayes. Oh. You, I mean, you've had some amazing, uh, all the men that you had in the, yeah. in the series, you know. Um, even Natasha's was, um, yeah. you know, interesting. I, I just love listening to them. I'm in the car so, so often. That I've got plenty of time to listen to the podcast. I love it. No, but I love it. I don't care what side of politics you are. It doesn't mean no, to say yeah. you're not a good person. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, and, and I think that's what people get a little bit confused in you know there, there's everyone just to be political everyone that's actually a member of parliament is doing what they think is the right thing at the time that is exactly Whether what I, Higgins said to me yeah we're all here trying to achieve the same things we just have a different way of doing it absolutely and I, never to have true words been spoken to me than what Gary Higgins said to me and it made me look at it from a completely different light and I think that takes like you can have good conversations with people in government now and whether you get the desired result that you like um, is another story 
but you can still be civil and mm. that's that's the territory that's the territory but it's mm. a small community north to south so few people that you know there is life after politics absolutely mm. so just because your political views can be completely polar opposites there's no reason to make that something that you you dislike them yeah no 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 that's right and I think you know it's really important for people to realize that everyone is just out there doing what they think is the right thing at the time you just might have different views on how you get to that result and obviously you know um yeah it's it's interesting because people say to me do you do you enjoy your job and I say I fucking love it Mm. you know um because I do I truly do if I did not like it I would not do it and I went in thinking if my morals and my integrity are ever compromised, I will never be doing this job because that holds really yeah. true to me and that's the way I was brought up and, uh, you know, um, that's what I say to my children. You know, if if it doesn't feel right, don't, don't do, do it. it and just be true to yourself. Like someone said to me, if you, if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life and that never a true word has been said. I've... Obviously, some people go to work and they don't really enjoy their job. They're doing it for the money or whatever. But I think at some point people will get to a role that they're doing where they do actually love it. You know, you just sometimes people take a little bit longer to to get there. And I am extremely grateful that I've literally only had two jobs in my life and I love both of them. That's so good. You know, that's that's why I keep my little hairdressing yeah. gig on the side in my um, oh yeah, third job. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've got a big ten months ahead of you, but what's the future for Joe Hersey? The future is hard work. What are you every manifesting? Single day. I am manifesting winning the seat of Catherine, and I am out there working hard every single day to get what I can to make my community better and ultimately the territory a better place. Mm. And what's life beyond politics look like for you? Pair of scissors oh. in your hand. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Yep, I love it. Should have bought your scissors today. I need a haircut. A good yeah. inch off, I reckon. <laughs> On that note. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Enjoy. We got there. Yeah, we did. Yeah, thank you both. Um, as I said, all the best with your awards down in, is it mm. Sydney or Melbourne you're going to? Two weeks to go. Sydney. Sydney. We've where well you are going to look amazing. Where oh, I booked in hair and makeup, and we've got good. We were like, oh, where should we stay? We we're looking at Airbnbs, and then we're like, you know what? Little break with our kids. We're booked at the four and a half star and Sofitel. Oh, I was going to so. say yes. You you absolutely need to just live it up when you can. So, yeah, yeah. have a great time. We're very excited. Hopefully, we come home with the win. I mean, we will come home, <laughs> but with the win. <laughs> Husbands, don't be scared. They are coming back. (laughs) Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Kathleen. Thanks, Molly. Catch you next week. Like, subscribe.